I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped On Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today's song we're going to focus on is called Your Lost Little Girl by The Doors from their 1967 album Strange Days. Your lost little girl Your lost little girl Your lost tell me who so before we get into today's uh, the meat of today's episode, we gotta we gotta we gotta have a little little confessional here. So uh, Jason is is a big Doors fan. It is, um, it's true. It, it and uh, he was the one who was like, hey, we should do an episode on the Doors and and you know here are some songs that I like, whatever. I, however, do not. I'm not a big fan of the Doors. Uh, and it's, when, it's, when I sent over my list, I said, "I'm sorry, you're going to have to listen to." <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's okay. I don't hate the Doors. Like it's not that I don't like the Doors. Um, and and I like this song, and I like a lot of their their biggest hits. I like "Hello, I Love You" and "Light My Fire" and "Roadhouse Blues" and all the the big classic Doors songs. Um, I guess I I get a little. I get a little miffed at the the mythos, you know, which we're going to talk a lot about today about about how great this band is in the cultural sense, you know, where it's like everyone knows the doors and everyone knows Jim Morrison. And, you know, people think Jim Morrison was just the coolest guy that ever lived and and all that. Um, And I feel like underneath that is a band that's doing some interesting stuff, but just not as great as I think people think it is. Um, and so I, I don't want to belittle their career. I don't want to belittle their importance in, in, in music history or anything, but, but I feel like, I feel like kind of like, I feel like the, I feel towards the doors in the same way that I feel towards the Beatles where it's like, you know, they did some great stuff and I really appreciate it. And I know that they changed a lot about music history, but I never get the feeling of like, man, I really want to listen to the doors today. Like it just, <laughs> that just never happens for me. So, so yeah. So I just wanted to put that out there before we start talking about the whole thing. Here. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, I started listening to Doors when um, probably in middle school, most likely, um, and 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 I think we we will talk about this later on in the episode. But I think it was really the the marketing of the Doors. So it's like you'd walk into a you know some kind of music shop, and there would be like shirts with Jim Morrison's face on it yeah. and and all these things and you know I I couldn't help but be like oh what, what is this band and then you know you listen to them and you're like oh I know like I've heard a couple of these songs on the radio and yeah. and I think especially at the time when you think of other bands in like the the late 60s um or mid mid to late 60s you're just like oh this is a really dark band compared yeah, to listening comparatively, to like yeah. you know some like the beach boys and you know the beatles and stuff um so I think that drew me to them and also um live stuff like i love live music and um live albums and this was a band that um i feel like i I feel like for some bands you get like a band that's like a great studio band and maybe not as good live or an awesome band live and maybe not quite as good in the studio and i feel like this band um 
sometimes almost sound like two separate bands like the the studio albums are one thing and then the live performances are, are something else entirely and I feel like especially for um, a band at this time to kind of be a little experimental live where um, you know, Jim Morrison might start you know doing some poetry you know the band might go into like a weird improv they would do like these interesting um like medleys of some of their songs and i feel like that's not something that you see in a lot of the other live bands at the time it's like oh these are our songs these are our hits like one two three we're gonna like get through them and the doors is much more of a weird meandering experience like whether you're listening to an album or whether you're listening to the live that you know what to do Impossible, yes, but it's true. I think that you know what to do. Yeah. So as we as we just mentioned, you know, the, the mythos surrounding the doors is 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 thick. Like there's a lot of of stuff. And so uh, in in doing our our, our usual research um, uh, and pre-discussions for, for this episode about the band, uh, we, we kept coming across these things where like, we'd hear, you know, we'd read this story and they'd be like, is that really true though? Like, did this really happen? Or is this something that like was just created for this, this mythic background of who this band is? So. Yeah. For a band that was around such a short amount of time. Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting to, to hear all the stories that have come out. And- right. <laughs> So, so according to what we've read, uh, and once again, whether or not this is totally true, we're, we're not 100% certain, but according to what we read, the, the band started when Ray Manzarek and uh, Jim Morrison uh, met, and they, they went on this late night walk to the beach, and Jim Morrison mentioned to Ray that he had uh, been writing some songs, and he uh, started humming a few bars for uh, this song that ended up being called Moonlight Drive. And um, and Ray was like, oh, you know, that that sounds really good. Like, this is really, really cool sound we got going on here. Whatever we should we should start this band. And so then that was how they sort of got the the the, the beginning formation of the doors together. So Ray had, um, I think, a brother or two brothers um, that I think played guitar and bass. Um, so in, in a very early incarnation of the band, um, they were members. Eventually they were replaced by um, the guitarist Robbie Krieger, um, who would continue to, to go on with them. Um, and they eventually picked up a drummer, John Densmore. Um, and I think both of them, Krieger and Densmore, were you know known musicians in the L.A. area. Um, so they formed this band, um, start putting together a live set, start writing together. Um, they're playing these clubs in uh, downtown L.A., sometimes for like basically, you know, empty, empty clubs, you know, like five people milling around, you know, <laughs> who just like happen to be there. Um, but it gave them a chance to work on their um, material and, and write things. Um, so part of, uh, kind of what makes the doors, uh, sort of notable is they tend to have some, some really long compositions. Um, so one of those being, um, a song that guitarist Robbie Krieger wrote called light my fire, um, which is a big hit that I'm sure most of you have heard and, and know, you know that it would be untrue. You know that I would be a liar. If I was to say to you, girl, we couldn't get much higher. 
So in 1967, uh, they released their debut album, the self-titled uh, The Doors. Um, so they have Light My Fire on there, Break On Through, The End, uh, probably a bunch of songs that you've heard a million times on, on the radio or in, or in movies or somewhere else. Um, so the album's really successful commercially. Um, the band starts touring pretty regularly um, all over the place. Um, they do television performances famously they performed on the ed sullivan show um and refused to change the lyrics for light my fire um where they weren't supposed to sing like baby could we get much higher uh, morrison went ahead and sang it anyway and you know scandal <laughs> but i mean and and, and at the time and, at the time, at the time you know you're, it's yeah. like what you defied ed sullivan <laughs> um and and upset network censors yeah. and and i mean that started to play into the image of the doors is this kind of like we, we do what we want we're you know pretty right pretty dangerous rock and roll band yeah. um at the time um so with 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 the first album they they had they had written you know they'd spend a bunch of time writing all these songs and and like you said like testing them out in clubs in the area or whatever and uh, they had a, a a big batch of songs because it should be noted that each member of the band is writing material like um if you look in the liner notes of their albums that every song is credited well most of the songs are credited to all four members of the band but in reality usually one member of the band is primarily writing one song and then the rest of the band coming plays coming it. into yeah. the studio with it and yeah. saying, here's what I got. Uh, and uh, so, for example, the, the one of their biggest songs, Light My Fire, is primarily written by Robbie Krieger, but if you look in the liner notes, it says it's written by all four members. Um, I, I don't know why they did that. That might have been like a legal thing or a contract thing or whatever. Um, but but yeah, so so you've got four guys writing songs. And so at the beginning, they had this like wealth of material and they picked, you know, th- let's pick from, from this big pile of songs, pick our best ones and put them on our first record. And, uh, and then, like you said, 1967's The Doors was, was huge and a big success. And so they're like, oh, well, we better get something out again, you know, another thing. So in the same year, they release Strange Days, which is the album that uh, today's song, Your Lost Little Girl, comes on. And, uh, and it was basically like, okay, well, we've already gone through the best songs of that bunch. So now we have to kind of pick out the, the, the second best songs of the bunch. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, Moonlight Drive appears on, on yep. the second album. So, I mean, the second album very much follows in the vein of the first. It's a little bit more experimental. There's some weird stuff going on, some backwards, deep looping stuff, um, some a little bit of synthesizer here and there, um, some weird vocal effects, especially on the title track, Strange Days. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting collection of songs. Um, so Your Lost Little Girl is in there um, as probably the the quietest track, I yeah, think, it's, it's really, uh, yeah, it's really on, quiet. on that album. Yeah, um, quiet and short. I mean, a lot of their songs are short. They're, yeah, they're yeah. very, they're a very brief band. I mean, well, aside from, it's aside either from, you get a short. <laughs> yeah, it's either you get like something that's like 250 to like three and a half minutes or then yeah. you get something. Or, that's or like, it's 12 minutes. It's 12 minutes long. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But uh, but yeah, most of their bigger hits and, and stuff like that are, are pretty brief. Um, so they record this album in between tours, basically. Um, you very much get the feeling that the record company is just like, we, we need another album but it's like but you guys are touring and it's like well you have like three days here in between <laughs> you know in between the the, the the end of this and the start of this maybe you want to get in the studio um so 
Um, the the album is a little bit, you know, to, thrown together from those leftover initial tracks that they had. Um, the band keeps touring. Um, just to talk a little bit more about the the eventual cycle of what what happens um they come out with waiting for the sun which was uh, a bigger album uh strange days looks to be kind of like a little bit of a not a flop per se it's like but, a skipping but not yeah, yeah but not as much as a, a commercial yeah. success as um their first album or or waiting for the sun waiting for the sun has like hello i love you on it hello, i love you won't you tell me Uh, so the band here starts to get a little rocky. Um, Jim Morrison starts uh, drinking a lot, um, experimenting with drugs. I think other members in the band were. Um, I mean, we are yeah. talking about like late 1960s. Drugs were a California. Big thing. Yeah, they were um, everywhere. But I feel like the rest of the band was much more. Uh, they they tried to. It, it was much more. What's the word? Uh, it was it was more recreational. Yeah, good. That's a good. Yeah, word. yeah. Do it. it was more recreational. Jim Morrison's <laughs> drug use was more habitual. <laughs> um, so I mean, the band starts having like a little bit of tension between these other members of the band who are like, you know, we're we're here at the studio. We want to we want to write songs, um, but you know, we have this guy now who's um, the face of the, the band. The face of the band yeah. and. He's becoming unreliable, you know, he's not showing up, or when he does show up, he's, like, really messed up and can't, you know, concentrate. Um, so that that is all kind of stewing in the background. Um, in 1969, they come out with the, the Soft Parade. Um, that album is another one that people tend to kind of skip, to over. skip over. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't sound like... It doesn't sound enough like them. Like yeah, there's got, some tracks with horns on it. Yeah, I, they, they got a little excessive and um, and kind of lost. I think they, they kind of lost their way there a little bit. Yeah, and, and also um, live, Morrison's kind of getting into trouble with... Um, like antagonizing police at like the concerts, um, getting people really rowdy at the shows. Um, so all that goes on. There's, um, the infamous, uh, Miami show where he had supposedly exposed himself on stage. So the band has kind of all this bad press and all, all these problems, um, both, you know, getting albums recorded in the studio and also playing live. Um, eventually we roll around to 1970, um, the band kind of starts to get themselves together again as, as a live band. They, um, they have a couple of, um, rehearsal shows to, to kind of prove like for, for mostly, I think for like record executives and friends and things, but basically to prove like we're here, we can, you know, get through a whole show and have a good time without, (laughs) you know, everything, um, you know, without a riot breaking out, um, or our singer collapsing, yeah, (laughs) or singer collapsing or being dragged off stage, like in cuffs. Um, so they, they really get themselves together. Um, they, uh, release Morrison hotel, which is kind of a, a a true to rock blues form album, Uh, like Um, almost, almost in the same vein as their first record, you know, kind of going back to their roots. You yeah, know, yeah. Which is, which is funny to say because their roots were, were three years ago at this point in time. Like this is, this is a very, this, this is all happening very quickly. Like, yeah. I mean, this is, yeah. Morrison hotel is 1970. So yeah, three, three years later, um, they also release a live album called absolutely live. Um, also kind of, I think, um, 
proving themselves as you know a live band and also showing like how serious they take themselves as as a band that can perform live um and then la woman comes out in 1971 and and jim morrison is found dead in a bathtub in paris yep and aside from the the band members quickly regrouped they uh, and they tried and, and they, they tr- tried you know they tried their best they tried their best i mean yeah you listen and you're just like oh this is the brain man's eric like tries to you know yeah take over vocals and it's it's obviously you know not the same yeah without jim morrison the band is um, the band is still they're still good players and they're still writing you know halfway decent material but like without jim morrison that that sound is gone but the, but they tried with uh with with, with 1971's other voices which is quite apropos uh, <laughs> title for an album. <laughs> so, and then um, later on in 1978, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, they release an American Prayer, which is considered a Doors album, but essentially uh, Morrison had, um, I think it was for his birthday, um, like booked studio time and recorded a bunch of poetry that he had written. Um, I want to say that was maybe 1970 that he recorded that. Um, don't hold me to the, to the date, um, but you know, had, had, had recorded it, uh, like towards, towards the end of his life. Um, and the doors came back and recorded music over that. Um, so 1978 is somewhat considered a doors album, but, um, obviously posthumous to, to, yeah. to Jim Morrison. So, uh, so yeah, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to roll back to, um, uh, to 1967 and talk about, uh, this, this album, Strange Days and, uh, this song called Your Lost Little Girl. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. Yeah, yeah. sure that you know what to do. As we mentioned, Strange Days wasn't as popular as the Doors' first release, um, but over time, this album has really uh, gotten popular, I feel, both with Doors fans and just the the music world in general. Um, on Rolling Stones' list of the 500 greatest albums, uh, there's three Doors albums on there. This one's number 407. Um, so... I mean, however you feel about Rolling Stone, you know, uh, um, but it, it at least says something in, in the general music community that um, Doors fans like this album, at least, you know, over over a few of the other releases. Um, I think the other two albums that were uh, ahead of it on the list were... Um, their their initial release yeah, and, and 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 LA Woman yeah right yeah I I know for, for for this episode you know like like I said not the hugest Doors fan um and so I think this was probably the first time that I actually sat down and listened to uh, this particular album Strange Days from front to back and um and 
uh, it, it's good, you know. Like, I, I like it. You know, it's very generous. I, yeah, no, no, it is good, and uh, it, it's it's interesting because you know the the first record is is so heavy hitting, like it's so like in your face, like rock and roll, you know, stuff. And it and 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 you know, I will definitely say like it is a really good album, and it's it's it it's it's um. It, the Doors earned their place in in rock history with that with that first record. But uh, I was just like you were saying, like I kind of wrote off Strange Days. You know, I was like, eh, you know, whatever. Like it's got like I, re- I really like People Are Strange. Like that's a really good song. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked. When you're unwanted, streets are uneven When you're down, when you're strange Faces come out of the rain When you're strange No one remembers you I really, I really like Echo and the Bunnyman's cover of that song So, <laughs> you know, I, I, that, that kind of brings me back to it And, uh, um, yeah, so I've, I've always liked what's going on with the album, but I've, I've never really considered it as part of like, oh, this is an essential Doors album. Like if you want to be a big fan, like you have to really check this out. Um, but now that I've listened to it again for this episode, like, yeah, it, it is really good. It's very, uh, it's very different, you know, like it, it moves around a lot. Like, you know, you've got your, your really long songs, your really short songs, you got really loud rocking songs, you got some quiet songs and, um, Jim Morrison, he does a lot with his voice, you know, he's not, he's not. You know, he does some some screaming, yelly, guttural ah, stuff, and then he does some like on on this song in particular. He brings it brings it way down. Yeah, you it's, know? it's yeah, it's interesting because um, it's almost a, a he's crooning. He's like a crooner, yeah. which is just funny to, to think about because we don't you know, and any, any time you like pretty much see Jim Morrison, yeah, he's like inebriated screaming yeah uh, on the floor or, yeah, yeah. doing whatever you know <laughs> um so yeah and, it, and it's weird where the song comes uh it, it, just on the record because strange days starts it off it's a psychedelic rock song um and, and his vocal has like these weird effects going on and then it's this song yeah and and it's just it's a weird start stop to the album um but i think makes the album a little bit more interesting than it otherwise might be because it, it leaves open the possibility of like where is this album where is like going, yeah. going i think we i think we kind of touched on that when we talked about um about the love thieves with by depeche mode yeah. it a, yep. it's a similar thing with with that with that album where you know it starts off with this like you know barrel of a gun dark you know very depeche mode song and then this long slow kind of hushed yeah. yeah so i think what they they might have been doing the similar thing where it's like you know we're going to start off with something that you expect like you've you've you loved our first record so we're going to give you what you expect in the first song but then boom we're going to drop the bottom out from under you and we're going to give you something that maybe you didn't expect and i i like that i think that's cool like i like when bands do that kind of thing when they they take the audience you know on a little ride and yeah, they say like go, you know go to we're going to we're yeah. going to we're going to challenge you here a little bit so i appreciated that when I was listening to it. You were lost, little girl. You were lost, tell me who are you? So despite the fact that all the members of the Doors are credited as songwriters on Your Lost Little Girl, 
Um, it is a Robbie Krieger song, Robbie Krieger, the guitarist. Um, I think you can really tell that when you hear the song. Um, it starts out with um, a, a bass line, actually, which is kind of interesting because the Doors had no, no ba- bass player. No bass player. <laughs> um, on the, the studio uh, songs, they would bring in a session bass player who would lay down a bass track. And then live, Ray Manzarek would basically have like a keyboard bass to, to play those bass parts. Um, so on, on this one, a slow bass starts off the song, um, followed by this bright, shimmery um, guitar part. Um, which is Robbie Krieger's part. It's kind of a an interesting jazzy little intro. He plays a couple. Uh, I think it's I think it's an E minor nine, which is just you know a little bit of an offbeat yeah. chord that you don't you know hear too much nowadays or anything. But you know it gives it a, a kind of distinct uh, sound and flavor. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I one of the reasons why I really like listening to Doors and really like Robbie Krieger um, is he also plays um, finger styles. So he's playing with just his fingers, not using a pick. Um, so that tends to make a really distinct sound when he's playing because he's kind of freer to sort of play more notes and let more things flow and play these interesting um, arpeggios and things that you don't normally get a, a sense of in a lot of um, other music at, at the time or even most bands well I, I think but with the finger style it's, it's much more difficult to play like you can teach any kid to play you know strum a, up a, a, a yeah, g chord yeah. real quick you're like hey, yeah this is you do this you do this and then you just strum you know but like getting one hand to do something is 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 easier obviously than getting two hands to do two different things at the same time so i think that most guitarists especially in rock bands they're usually not classically trained in any capacity so they're just kind of like go with what's easiest you know and and that's definitely not finger playing yeah so i mean i think he trained in the like more of a flamenco style you can hear it on if you if you listen to the album after this uh waiting for the sun uh there's a song called spanish caravan that really like showcases that yeah um but for this song i'm i'm a he wrote the music i'm assuming he also wrote the lyrics um yeah once again with the doors it's hard to it's hard to know like what really happened you know (laughs) like (laughs) so i mean the lyrics themselves are, are pretty simple straightforward mostly repetitions of your lost little girl um i think you know what to do impossible yes but it's true um so not not a very complex song i feel like for uh if someone like morrison had more of a hand in this you you would probably get something a little bit more poetic or metaphorical or it it, it would probably go in a different direction i would think um than than the way it does i I think you can interpret the song a a few ways i mean one thing that that i thought of was um like alice in wonderland so the 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 little girl alice who's you know wandering around um the who are you the who are you yeah that's like a total cheshire cat thing and or the cat the the Oh, you're right. No, the caterpillar. Yeah, the, caterpillar. the caterpillar. Yeah, totally. I need to, <laughs> but, to, to check up on my house. But at least the, 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 the crypticness. Yeah, of, right. Of, yeah. You know, and, and the wordplay. And yeah. The Cheshire Cat might be the more, uh, I think you know what to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think of that. Um, there's also, you know, like the, the sexual nature of the song. Yeah, the, the little girl, your lost little girl, I think you know what to do. You know, um, we were talking about uh, earlier in, in our discussions when we, when we were formulating what we wanted to talk about for, for this episode. We were talking about how at this time period, you know, it was it was risky and dangerous to put anything sexual or directly um 
scandalous into your music and your lyrics, especially, you know, we were talking earlier about how uh, Jim Morrison was told to change a line that was fairly innocuous. You know, what was it? We were getting uh, yeah, higher. Yeah, couldn't or, get much higher. Yeah, yeah, couldn't get much higher. You know, like, obviously, like, that's... I don't know. Like, I feel like that's pretty straightforward. Like, I don't feel like that has to be a drug reference. But even back then, like, that was too far, you know. And it also reminds you of the time that uh, when Elvis was playing on TV for the first time, they only filmed him from the waist up. They wouldn't film his lower half of his body because they felt his moving hips were too scandalous for television at the time. So, yeah, so you can imagine, like, if somebody was writing a song and they wanted to write something about, you know, maybe an older guy kind of like communicating sexually with a younger girl like that's that's pretty taboo like you can't really do that too directly so this song might be something along those lines as well talked a lot about um the the mythology of the doors and these things that possibly did or didn't happen um one story that we came across a couple times looking at this was allegedly jim morrison's girlfriend um pam pamela corson corson thank you um allegedly during the recording of this um the the producer paul rothschild wanted Jim Morrison to have this relaxed delivery so thought like well if she's in there with him possibly you know do, doing something doing, to, doing to relax little, him yeah. <laughs> then, then you know I'll get the vocal performance that I want and again you know I, I don't know what to right, well, attribute uh, to according to several stories that you read and once again we gotta keep saying this like we have no idea if this is really true or not but according to the stories that we read uh, Rothschild was like you're not delivering the vocal line that I want so I'm going to you know uh, hire a prostitute to go in there and please you while we give you the you know while we record you so you can deliver the line properly and then his Jim Morrison's girlfriend was like no I'm going in there and so she did and they dimmed the lights and they lit some candles and they they put like a screen up so that nobody could see what was going on in the vocal booth at the time and then you know Jim Morrison started delivering some lines but then he stopped delivering lines and then they just kind of like stopped doing anything altogether and then according to the legend the band like left and then came back and then the take that's used on this recording is the take that was after this sexual Incident. moment intimate moment between between uh, Jim and his girlfriend um uh, happened so I mean once again did this happen did this not happen no but it certainly plays into the mythos that surrounds the doors as this hyper sexualized bad boy group where you know sex and drugs uh, just run rampant without any abandon you know just just completely whatever you want to do just go ahead and do it you want to you want to take your 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 penis out on stage just do it <laughs> you know like. yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean that and i think that's the reason why um you know most of the door songs that we know are kind of those more edgier songs where you know a lot of these softer songs i feel like didn't didn't tend to make it into the live sets because you know you're playing for a rowdy group of people they're probably not gonna want to like quiet down and listen to the song yeah. even even if it's like alluding to you know 
Right. To something more. They're not going to see through that subtext because they've got, you know, they've They've, got. They've been drinking beer all day. Drinking beer, (laughs) they've been doing drugs, and they just want to (laughs) rock. So, I mean, and and I think that's kind of why the song gets, gets. really skipped on shuffle here is because you know this this quiet song on this album that for the most part is uh a kind of quirky cool experimental you know album it's like an interesting follow-up to to their debut um so i i think that's kind of why the song is kind of left behind it's it's a quiet slow song um like i said it didn't get a lot of attention in the live sets there are some um, performances that they did do of this in the late uh, late 67 and early 1968. Um, but for a band that's released so much of their live recordings, um, kind of an official live release of this one, um, I've, I've yet to see. Yeah, and it's not like it's that complicated of a song, you know? Like, there are some songs by other bands that you, you listen to and, and you say, wow, like, the, there's a lot going on here. Like, you know, especially on something like the Soft Parade, you know, lots of horns, lots of uh, orchestral instrumentation. But, you know, there's a lot of things you could say, like, wow, like, we couldn't duplicate this live or we couldn't do this justice live. But, but this is not one of those songs. Like, yeah, no, aside from the bass notes in the beginning, like, there's nothing that these four guys can't just pull off, you know, pretty quickly yeah and you would assume that you know robbie krieger would kind of want to show off on yeah because i mean it is one that really highlights his playing and especially the the bright little guitar solo that's in there i feel like yeah it's a really cool thing right yeah but uh but yeah i think that you know uh with with the mythos of the doors and 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 their status like i feel like it, it i feel like this is this is a this is a great song for skipped on shuffle you know despite my opinions about the doors but the th- th- this is a great song for Skipped on Shuffle because it really represents like the kind of stuff that gets lost, you know, like this is the kind of stuff that, especially within the mythos of such a, of such a monumental band as The Doors, there's, there, there is stuff that just gets swept under the rug, you know, it's like, this is one of those tracks. I mean, this is, this is a track on an album, th- this is a track that gets ignored on an album that tends to get ignored as well. And, and, or is it, at least ignored for a, a, for the, a, a yeah, while, for, yeah. for a while. And, um, and, and The Doors, they, they only exist existed as a band for like five maybe six years total we know with jim morrison in the band i should say and uh and in that time they released a, a, a good amount of albums and, and and a lot of music but but still like this very very brief moment in time it shouldn't be that difficult to like you know really listen to everything that they do but once again like i feel like these songs just get just get passed over i mean i mean this song for example is number 77 on the itunes charts um and if you go up from 77 up you you see a lot of repeats you know it's like light my fire from uh from the doors album and then light my fire from the greatest hits album and then light my fire live and then it's like <laughs> it's like a lot of those tracks are just repeats of the same you know the same like maybe 20 songs that the doors are really real no- well known for and then this song is just like down there at the bottom you know <laughs> but i mean some of that is why the doors have managed to survive for as long as they have despite you know their their lead singer dying and, yeah you know in the 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 midst of like really pretty good commercial success i mean they were a really popular band um played a lot of shows and um i feel like a lot with the doors is just trying to keep like that legend of jim morrison alive and so a, a lot of what's kept this band going is like constantly going back and and digging into those tracks and you know maybe introducing them to a new audience um you know the end is featured pretty prominently at at the beginning and end of apocalypse now um the the famous francis ford coppola movie in 1979 uh, about the vietnam war um 
You know, uh, the Doors were inducted into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1993. They played with Eddie Vedder, um, which you know, like Pearl Jam was, for, yeah, for yeah, Jim was skyrocketing at the time. Yeah. Um, so uh, probably introducing them to a new group of fans. And this is a band that I can't tell you how many like compilations. Oh my god. Yeah. Um they you know they, just they, go they to the would Wikipedia. release music videos <laughs> in like the eighties, like going back to you yeah. know, old performances and things. I mean this band has mined whatever they could out of yeah. what they have in the archives of and, and live you, stuff, unreleased stuff. And I, th- I think what what's important to mention here is that is that um they do it they do it well. You know, like, yeah, it, like it doesn't think, feel like it doesn't feel like exploitation. It feels like reverence. You know, it feels like the the three surviving members of the Doors are are looking back very very fondly on the time you know spent with Jim Morrison and playing this music and writing these songs and doing all this stuff and uh, and want to cherish and celebrate that and give the fans what they want. You know, whereas you know there are other bands out there that uh, tend to be more exploitative with their history. Um, with probably the the biggest known one being Kiss, who are basically just merchandising everything that they ever do because they just want to make more and more money off of all this stuff. But one doesn't get the feeling like that with the doors, like especially with like uh, with the bootleg series um, mm. uh, that, that, that they did do. Where yeah, they, they where started, they, yeah, they started a record label called Bright Midnight Records and basically they just wanted to put out the live recordings that they had of, of that time. And they, you know, spaced out the recordings and, you know, cleaned them up and everything. I mean, they sound like immaculate compared to what you would expect to hear from right from you know, like from recording, recording technology from, yeah, from that from time old, period yeah. yeah yeah so no it i think it's really interesting that um you know that we have this band with this with this mythic mythic history and 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 huge status in in the classic rock you know um history books you know it's like this like like when you think of like the 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 um the 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 bedrocks of classic rock you think of like you know the beatles and led zeppelin and the who and the beach boys and the doors you know like i feel like the doors get chunked in there uh you know rightfully so and um and i feel like it's 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 really interesting that we that we still even with that status we still have tracks like this that are just kind of like you know where did this come from why 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 is this here you know like what are they trying to do here and 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 enjoying that that aspect i feel like especially today you know so much is like is curated you know it's like no this isn't good enough to put out you have to hold it back if you put out stuff that people don't like it's going to make them think less of you or whatever you know um but back then it was just like no like just just we did this song we're proud of it put it out there like it's going to be the second track on our next album you know it's like i think it's really interesting to be able to go back and 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 experience that kind of thing yeah and i think it's a good way to highlight the other band members because i think jim morrison tends to overshadow yeah seriously everything everyone yeah um in this band so it's nice to hear a, you know, a song like this from Robbie Krieger. Um, and I just also want to point uh, our, our listeners to um, another Robbie Krieger pen song that came out um, on the soft parade called wishful sinful that I feel like is almost a revisitation of the song. And it kind of gives you an appreciation for Robbie Krieger working on his songwriting, working on his craft. And I feel like, yeah, the, the other members of the doors um, sometimes you don't get a chance to really appreciate uh, their, their songwriting or or their playing, and this is like one of those opportunities where um, Jim Morrison is kind of just co- contributing a very nice vocal and not trying to 
overpower everyone by by screaming into the you know the microphone or, you know getting some you know weird weird experimental effect going on in the, in the background or anything it's just a a straightforward ballad Usually at this point in the episode, we uh, we talk a lot about um, about how we like personally connect with the song. But obviously, you know, as I mentioned uh, numerous times in the episode, I am not the biggest Doris fan, so I really don't have that much of a personal connection with this song. But I will say that in the um, in the time that we have you know uh, been researching the, the this song and and you know uh, my own personal listening to try and get myself amped up for the episode and all that, um, uh, I did really appreciate the fact that that this song, uh, like you were you were saying earlier, is. Uh, is 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 gives gives me gives me a chance to hear what the doors sound like not what Jim Morrison sounds like, not like the Jim Morrison experience, you know, and I feel like so much of the Doors uh, music and, and history, you know, I mean, as an example, if you buy one of their, one of their most popular uh, greatest hits collections, which of which they have many, <laughs> but one of the most popular ones is, um, is a double disc set and it's just got Jim Morrison on the cover and he's got that famous pose that he does where he's shirtless and he has his arms stretched out in kind of like a Christ-like pose and he has long hair and he has this like real jesus looking you know uh aesthetic to it and uh and that's it like that's the cover of the doors greatest hits you know it's like no it's just jim morrison and the the other four members or the other three members don't appear on the cover at all so um you know while i i haven't had enough experience with this particular track to uh to develop kind of a personal connection to it as maybe i did with with other songs that we've covered in in the skipped on shuffle series so far um i do really appreciate that 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 this song really just like oh wow like there are three other guys here and they actually are really good and they're good at what they do and like you're saying Robbie Krieger's playing on this is is really good and really interesting like a really interesting guitar part and uh and Jim Morrison kind of delivering that subdued vocal like really lets it shine you know he's like it's it, it makes me respect Jim Morrison a lot more listening to this track because I'm like wow he liked it he took the time he said you know what this is not my track somebody else wrote this song I'm gonna step back into the into the dark a little bit and let somebody else have the spotlight and you know then the next song i'm going to come up and i'm going to take over and i'm not you know but but you know for this song he he took a step back and i I really i really respect that yeah i i love this track and i like a lot of the the i i feel like i could pick like at least half a dozen skipped on shuffle tracks for the doors where there's just these great songs that have just been passed over and and i feel like in part due to that that myth making of the doors is this dangerous bluesy out of control rock and roll band um where there's just some great quiet songs that all the band members i feel like really shine on and and i think your lost little girl is one of them um i i totally agree um with you scott about the the vocal delivery where it's nice to hear Jim Morrison the singer and not Jim Morrison the front man. <laughs> right, yeah. And 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 yeah, I think this track really encapsulates that. 
So the Doors for me, um, I've I've been listening to them forever, and uh, you had mentioned about you know not feeling exploited as a fan, mm. and and I hadn't really ever thought of that for you know how many times I've probably bought like the same record over and over. <laughs> I've, I've I've never felt that way because I I feel like you know at one point they you know remastered the albums and yeah. you know threw in a bonus disc of unreleased tracks, and I was like wow these sound like way better than what I was listening to before. Um, it's cool to hear you know some of this other stuff and then once they started getting into the the live releases i'm like oh this is cool and occasionally you'll you'll um even though they kind of plead from a a handful of like their their usual songs and their set you know every once in a while there'll be a couple tracks that they didn't you know play as often live and and those are really cool to hear um and I, i don't really know what to say aside from just like i'm a huge fan i feel like i'm I, I haven't been seduced by the the Jim Morrison image, but I mean, it is what like you know a, a, attracts you to the band in the first place. Like seeing like that greatest hits, you're like, who is this person? Yeah, right. you know. And when you see it marketed that way, I feel like they've the the band, the surviving members, the management. Um, yeah, they have done this good job of um, I think uh, tr- trying to uh, uh, draw new fans in. Um, by playing on that, but I also feel like this is a band that, despite the expansive uh, marketing they have, like has fans in in the foremost um, of their thoughts. And I, I think you see that a lot. You had you had talked about how how much the other band members like to celebrate this band. I can't think of a lot of bands where it's like they're more than happy to talk about it and yeah. continue talking about it. You know, they've, I think they've all pretty much written books and gone on like speaking tours, yep. um, brought the band back together in various incarnations. Have, with like guest and, vocalists. Yeah. Have and... toured with other singers or have done like a, a special where they bring in and, and they play with other singers. Like they're, they're more than happy to like revisit this short, amazing period of time that they had in their lives and kind of continue to share that and and it's it's cool to to be a part of that and and hear that and experience that without feeling like like oh i gotta i got bills to pay so i need to (laughs) you know i need to like get out and you know like oh i don't want to like go out and shake hands with fans but yeah i mean this is a band that um did some cool stuff in a short period of time and just loves to share that experience with everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Be sure to visit our webpage at skippedonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also a YouTube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes. We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free podcast. So if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free experience and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast.